Phil Ice from American uh, Public University, very much a bit like our Open University, all their courses are online, um, and uh, it's 20 minutes for this um, presentation and 10 minutes for questions, so it's over to you, Phil. Thank you, thank you all for coming this afternoon, uh, glad to be here. In this presentation, what I'm going to do is give a very high-level overview of some of the research that I've done since I started working with audio feedback in um, 2004 and the research coming forward and then show you a technique that we're currently employing that is really the culmination uh, of a lot of the work that I've done and based upon the uh, quantitative and qualitative findings. And just like to start out, the first exploration of audio feedback I did uh, was in 2004 and this was embedded um, inline feedback where the uh, comments were actually embedded inside of a PDF in line with the text student was reading. Start out with a sample size of 31 students, uh, 26 of the 31 preferred uh, audio text, four students said there was no difference, one student indicated that uh, we, it was in a because of technical problems. Uh, eight weeks after the course was over, her 12-year-old son discovered she had a defective sound card, the reason she couldn't hear it. So that's a forewarning that, uh, of the problems that we can run into whenever we're trying to provide feedback. <coughs> in the semi-structured interviews, like I said, some of the stuff's very high level. It's pretty well established in the literature, and we've heard iterations of it again today, so I won't spend too much time on it. The ability to understand nuance was a theme that was expressed by 70% of the students. And notice there's more than one theme in here. The second was the feelings of increased involvement. The students felt less isolated. Remember, these were 100% online courses that we're dealing with. And um, content retention. Students believed that they retained the audio comments better than the uh, text-based counterparts. And the fourth theme was the students believed the instructor cared more about them as a person when they received audio as opposed to text-based feedback. The final document analysis that we did in this course um, was, which was a series of uh, thematic integrated lesson plans in an education course. Um, the, we looked at the different types of uh, activities that students integrated into this final project and coded them against Bloom's taxonomy and then cross-referenced them with whether they had received text or audio-based feedback earlier in the year. And what we found was the students were five to six times more likely to apply content for which audio feedback was received at the higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy, the top three levels, than content for which they had received uh, text-based feedback. And so this was really meaningful in terms of learning outcomes that showed that you really did have an effect there. And then in subsequent data, there were 312 students surveyed. Um, Spearman's row showed no decrease, in, no decrease in preference after multiple exposures across semesters, thus discounting a possible novelty effect associated with um, audio feedback, which is one of the points that Bob made in his um, opening comments this morning. You know, is this something novel? Will it wear off the students? Well, this shows that uh, statistically that the qualitative interviews, the same themes emerged. Then we started on multi-institutional research in 2006. Um, had a N of 1138, 15 institutions uh, worldwide, international, uh, none in the UK, but there were 15 <coughs> institutions involved. Uh, range of students from uh, associates to PhD, and they had seven Likert type items that were used to confirm the previous four themes that you saw. And you can just see here, we did confirm all of them. The students felt the uh, 
feet, the inflection in the instructor's voice made the intent clearer. Uh, their intent was clearer when using audio than with text. The uh, comments made students feel more involved. And this is just a comparison. This is a look at the means and the uh, standard deviations on how strongly students agreed with each of these statements on a five-point Likert scale. Uh, students felt more motivated. Again, retained comments, which I was very promising to see that students did in fact believe that we correlated back with the previous document analysis we've done, and they believed it was more personal. Um, and again, the theme of caring emerged. Uh, those subsequent themes were found, and anybody who wants this PowerPoint, like I said, these are high level, given the time frame, I'm more interested in showing you the methodology. So just let me know if you want the PowerPoint, and I'll be glad to give it to you, no problem. Um, now, there's also an instrument, for those of you involved with online learning, you may know about this. It was developed by researchers, including myself and seven others in the United States and Canada. Um, it's called the Community Inquiry Framework. It's a 34-instrument survey that looks at uh, teaching social and cognitive presence as a function of online learning. So we took uh, the aforementioned study that had 1,138 students, administered a COI to them, and compared it to another uh, similar group of students who did not receive audio feedback. And you can see there are significant gains across various items of teaching presence, which is the way the instructor projects themselves into the classroom uh, whenever you're using the audio versus the other group. It's called Summer 07 here. And these are the one, these are out of the 34 items, these are the ones that are statistically, that are, are there's a statistically significant difference in the means that showed up. The, uh, this one was obvious. The instructor provided feedback to help me understand my strengths and weaknesses, clearly. Social presence, the feeling of being interconnected with other students, and that online, on, uh, online learning is an excellent means for interaction. Big difference there. And cognitive presence, students feeling more motivated to explore content-related questions and the ability to reflect on course content to help them understand fundamental concepts. All these were impacted significantly by the use of audio. And we did it, and like I said, the end there was 1138 on that study. Multimedia feedback. We started thinking about how, and we started collecting all the qualitative data that went with these end of course surveys. And we crunched the numbers using SPSS Clementine, which is a <coughs> semantic text analysis tool. And what students were saying, was even though the comments were in line, they were still needing to reference what you were talking about. So they needed to have a way to listen to what you were saying and read what you were referencing at the same time. So at this point, we started using, um, thinking about how to use multimedia. And this is what we came up with. Wacom tablets, pen, tablet. You can do the same thing with a tablet, laptop. This is a pretty inexpensive unit. Cost now is around about $70 per unit on them. Um, so by the time you do the conversion, they're real cheap here. Um, and you have four levels of feedback um, that are impacted by the way that multimedia, multimedia feedback is provided. And this comes from the English literature. Uh, and by that I mean our grammar courses. I'm not sure what the equivalent is. Sorry for the stumble here. But um, it's basically our grammar technical writing courses. And out of that literature, there are four levels. The global level, mid-level, micro, and other comments. And as you can see, the higher levels <coughs> are overall quality, 
And it starts to do drill downs into how the students perform. As you get into mid-level, and finally into micro-level, where it's actually word phrasing, uh, sentence structure, uh, APA style, grammatical uh, usage, typos, etc. And other comments are just basically self-explanatory. It's anything that doesn't fit in those other three boxes. Uh, it was kind of clever how the uh, people in that literature came up with that area. But uh, <coughs> what we did <coughs> is we provided multimedia feedback, and this paper is being published in the Journal of Educational Computing Research in January, I think, February, something like that. At any rate, we went through and provided in four different classes uh, for an exploratory study, provided students with feedback that incorporated audio and um, written feedback, markups using the pen, just audio, just text, and then ask them at each of those 22 different levels you saw under global, mid-level, micro, and other, which they thought was more effective. And what we started to see was a funnel effect coming into play. At the global level, audio was much preferred because it was broad and general. But they still liked a few little handwritten things like if you'd write on yes or positive affirmation, that they liked. As you started coming down into the mid-level, they wanted to see more text associated with audio. So they wanted to see a tighter ratio, basically. And then as you got down to the micro level, you could put in tons of commas, periods, APA comments, etc. But they wanted to see very few audio comments associated with that. In other words, they wanted to see these broad thematic overviews of what you were talking about. They didn't think it was necessary to have the audio comment every time they needed to put a comma in, that you didn't need to comment on that, which would be a bit nerve-wracking for the instructor as well. So, whenever we got down into um, whenever we got down into why this happened, I say quantitative analysis, because even though it's based on qualitative information, again, to eliminate human bias, we use semantic analysis on uh, text-based feedback and do straight branch node crunching of the numbers to convert every qualitative piece of data into a numerical counterpart. And what we found was that students want to have a deeper understanding of instructor's thought process through the feedback cycle, which corresponds with that funnel that I was talking about from broad comments down to the micro-level comments. And while we did this quite effectively with Acrobat for a long while, providing PDFs to students, what the students were really saying is they wanted to hear all the way through your rationale for making the comments as you went, which comes down to the process that I've referred to as thought mapping. And it's video capture, but you know, while it is just capturing what's taking place on your screen, it's more than that because you're talking your students through what's going on and providing a rationale for why you're doing something. So like if we have this PDF here, and we want to come in here and tell the student, yes, um, in this part, I really liked what you said. And you send them this back with yes on it, and then um, you just come into, come into here to provide a little audio comment that you place with it. Da -da 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 -da. Cord. Okay. The student gets it, and they have a little audio comment embedded that they can click on. But that really doesn't tell them much about what you were thinking as you were doing the markup. 
So while this is still a useful technique, it is some it and gets at the benefits of having multimedia associations. It doesn't fully explore the what, what the student is saying they want from what the data is telling us. This is it's a very good method. It's worked effectively, but to provide a richer context for our students, we thought something else was needed. So we started thinking. And by the way. I am the Director of Research and Development for our university. Uh, American Public hired me from UNC, and I have the best job in the world, in my opinion. I get paid to do nothing but play with tech toys now, and figure out what works and what doesn't, and tell our instructors, you will try this. <laughs> and then I run their numbers on how it works out in huge numbers of classes. So, it's, I love what I do. So, obviously. So what we thought about, I got thinking about this and thought, what tools do we already have at our disposal? And one we already have at our disposal is Acrobat Connect, which there's much more to it. You can share pods, share video pods, etc. I only have one pod up here at the moment just to show you what I would think. Now this is used as a conferencing tool, much like you might use Illuminate, uh, WebEx, Wimba, etc. in your classes. However, most of these tools have one capability, which is to share your desktop. Okay. Now, and to hold meetings. And I thought, what if we don't hold a meeting and record it, but I'm just the only person in the meeting with the student's content? Well, all you have to do is come up here to meeting, record meeting, and starts the record session. Uh, Phil's room number 20, Greg. We'll just leave it for the title. And it's recording everything I do from this point on. So I want to share my computer screen with them. Okay, so at this point, the Connect session is recording everything I'm doing. So now as I'm coming down through here, looking at this same PDF, and, and I'm saying, right, Anne, and in our classes we know our students' names, but you can do it anonymously. I really like how you started this with the cycle of life, etc., uh, etc. Et and I would suggest, however, at this point, you make an adjustment, or here you make an adjustment, and there are lots of other markup tools you can use in here too. You know, you can square off areas, put in the thought bubbles, etc. You have highlighting in it. So through the whole process, the student is seeing what you're doing in here and hearing you talk your way through. By the way, in our research, our students found out we found out students like to hear you talking and thinking your way through things. They hate it when you script it and try to read them from a script. They think it's much more authentic and personal. Now. While this is great for a document, one of the big things that we deal with are portfolios. And I don't know in your system how much you deal with portfolios. You have to deal with them quite a lot to show authentic learning. So let's assume that students compile a portfolio that looks like this. It may have a combination of assets like a um, PNG file, Excel spreadsheet, PowerPoint, etc. Okay, now I'm looking at the student's portfolio and very simply I'll say, yeah, Okay, I want to come here to this section, um, and I hit preview, and it'll open up their PowerPoint. Um, da, da 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 da. I like what you did with the inclusion of this particular artifact. Um, here's the ping that goes with it. That's really nice. Um, here again, your lesson plan, and I think this is a nice fit. So I'm evaluating the whole body of work and recording what I'm doing at the same time. Then when I'm done with my review here, I just simply come back to my room, <coughs> stop sharing, 
it produces a URL because this is being recorded in the cloud. It's converting everything to Flash, so all your student has to have is have a Flash media player installed, which is on 98% of all computers in the world at this point. I send them the URL, they go online, click it, and I can send them a URL, I can send them an email right out of Connect where it has the URL. They come in, see it in their email, click on it, variable bitrate streaming brings it down regardless of the connectivity <coughs> speed, and they have the whole package at once. And did I get done in five did I have my own time? You've got a few more minutes left. I'll open it up to questions now. That's basically the technique and the rationale for how we got there from where I started. So yes. Um, because some of us are starting to experiment with Jing in exactly the same way, and if you use the free version, you just get five minutes, right. which is either a good or a bad thing. Right. <laughs> it, it doesn't get too long, but sometimes it's difficult to fit it into five minutes. I wondered if you if you tried using Jing. Yes, I have, and a lot, and some of our instructors even do use it. If it's a very short piece of thing that they're working with, and it's something that they can email to the students or quickly post to our FTP server. Great. If they have skills to do that, it's a good tool, it's quick, it's easy. If you need to go on for like 15 minutes on like a portfolio review, it obviously doesn't work. So, you know, in the session this morning, I said there is no one simple answer. Jing is a good tool for what it does. Connect's a good tool for what it does. They both achieve the same end, different workaround, different methodology. It's just up to the instructor to assess how they need to approach the situation from my perspective. And it's as long as you're grounding it in the proper pedagogy, I think you're safe any way you go. Yes? Um, I've tried using something called Dindum, which is an um, um, open source online meeting room. Yes. And you can do the same thing. You can have the students document or talk over it. You can annotate it with a sort of palette. Right. And it saves it as a URL and then you can email that to the student. Yes. Dim Dim will work very well too. Um, the what did I somebody talked to me about Dim Dim? There is one limitation in it, and I can't. I think it has to do with file size or length or something like that of the folder. But it's it, it's a it's a very workable tool too. Yeah. Any conferencing tool. I'm just saying we onboard Acrobat. We have like I think 1,400 site licenses for it, so we have tons of them. So. It's the tool we have, and that's why our instructors use it. But Illuminate will work, Dim Dim will work, WebEx will work, you know, about anything will work to achieve this end. Can we take a question here before we come back to you? Um, I wonder if all of us as courses for courses, um, for me it seems to depend on the level at which the SE is at. Because if I, were, some SEs that I mark, if I were to record everything I did, a lot of the time would be complete silence, uh, you know, particularly if it's uh, um, you know a, an honors level, so it's before graduating sort of essay. I mean, sometimes I, I I sit and think about it for 15 minutes maybe <laughs> before ever saying anything at all to come to an opinion. Um, so, but if it's something you know where you're correcting grammar or something like that, you can do that in one take. And I sort of felt that it could be more stressful than working in a call center if you felt you know you had to be talking all the time and, and dealing with it. So what's your reflections on that? You can pause it. Sorry? You can pause the session while you're recording. Right. You right. can pause the recording and I do that too and I do it too. I do teach one class um, a semester that's a um, instructional technology class. 
and I get some of the responses, and for either one of two reasons, either it's such a profound thing that they wrote that um, you have to sit and think about it to really give them constructive feedback. So you say, I just say, I need to pause for a moment here to reflect on it, and then when I'm back, I'm saying, okay, collecting my thoughts. The other situation is it's such a piece of rubbish that you're afraid of laughing <laughs> and you need to pause it. <laughs> so. uh, sorry, uh, can, can, can we, yes, in the back. Um, have you had to invest hugely in, in training and development for staff? Oh, I think that our training for, for the Connect implementation, I think we've spent somewhere like under a hundred thousand for training, which is considering we have eleven hundred faculty members. That's really, I mean, cheap. If you're dealing with a small number of faculty, you could probably implement a training regiment for fifty dollars a person, maybe. So, was, was it something that you were able to get staff up and running after a, a workshop? About two hours. Yeah. About okay. two hours total time. Um, you could have faculty up and running and doing this with a moderate degree of competency. Yeah. Yes. Can I ask about the, you talk about the global mid and micro levels there. Yes. And do you structure your feedback on those ideas at all? Or? No, it, it's really whenever you take a look at what they're, what they're referring to in the literature, it's something that most of us who are well-versed in teaching and have marked up papers for some time you really do it instinctively. You, those categories emerge naturally. You don't think about it. It just If you code it out the way that you grade, it will surprisingly fall into those gross categories, just out of instinct. Um, I think I saw a little Digo floating sticky note on one of the screens you showed us. Are you using Digo to give feedback to students as well on web pages? Or? I'm playing with it. Uh, our faculty aren't yet. I'm playing with the concept. Okay. See how it works out before I make any of our faculty try. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it does have potential. Yeah. And so doesn't Wave. Google yeah. Wave has potential too. Yeah. If it doesn't crash your computer off while you're trying to use it. <laughs> which is a problem. Uh, just, just another variant on the technology. The Writing Center at Coventry University are using Skype and a plugin called Makogo, I think it's called to do both synchronous and asynchronous tutorials to help students with the writing skills. So again, Excellent. same sort of idea. <coughs> Any more questions from... Um, anybody got a question about the actual paper rather than a technical question about um, some of the content? Um, I we have actually got a few more minutes left. I was actually quite interested in um, um, the idea that the application of using the... Um, the uh, the idea of the funnel, the, the, the student preferences. Um, and uh, I wonder if it's a question from people here whether they found that, but I found that quite absorbing. Mm -hmm. We, we um, found something similar. We were using audio feedback with language learners, and they agreed in the focus groups. They said we actually carried on using grammar correction symbols, written little grammar correction symbols, and we just didn't go there for audio feedback. And they agreed that it was. You know, they still liked having that because it was much more efficient. But it's the it's the nitty gritty, it's the expansion, it's the elaboration that audio feedback works so well for. But I think that causes problems for some teachers who say, "Look, now are you expecting me to do two things? 
and um, but in fact it works really well to do two things. You're using two things when they're most effective. Uh, yeah, we found something similar that students actually um, prefer the inserting into PDF the audio comments for um, assessments that are very structured. So um, reports where there's an introduction, methods, results section where we can actually pinpoint exactly what it is that they um, are doing wrong within the structure. But they like the audio pair with the visual, um, such as what you're doing for things that are developing arguments, so things that are much more general and that have broader strokes. And so they found um, this is a very, very similar kind of idea. And I think that, that you know, while I like this technique, I think it's appropriate in a lot of cases. There are some where just doing it in a straight PDF, like for instance, we have some anatomy courses where students have to produce diagram anatomy diagrams. And those, it still makes more sense just to convert to a PDF and put the comments in line because there's no real need to talk to it. You're just talking about very specific pinpointed areas. So it's case dependent on how, which techniques are most appropriate. Do you have any sort of retention policies for how long you keep that, that feedback video file on the server floor? Because you know, obviously they're quite large and over time you can easily you know, fill up terabytes of... We are required by law to keep seven years. At this point we have eight terabytes of that um, <laughs> on our and servers. Do you, do you have like a database of all the URLs? It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, we, we have everything cloud hosted, clustered, redundant servers. I mean, but we're paying for eight terabytes of space <coughs> right now, and that's without our LMS, which is another three and a half terabytes. <laughs> it, it gets quite consuming, but it's not <coughs> that big of a cost, all things. It's just a cost in the states that we all have to deal with. So if I was a student and I came back in a couple years and said, can I have a look at this piece of feedback again, you'd be able to find it quite quickly? It's all indexed. We use very strict naming conventions. Um, an object, we just moved to an object, to not just a relational database, but an object relational database. So everything's very tightly clustered. If you ask for your paper from six and a half years ago, we could pull it up in probably 30 seconds. <laughs> Any more questions? <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you very much, Bella. That was excellent.